1: The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. China's President Xi Jinping was appointed as head of the country's Communist Party just over a year ago. Now, at a party plenum in Beijing, Mr. Xi started to make his agenda for the next decade much clearer. The plenum broke up earlier today and issued a statement. And to discuss its outcome, I'm joined on the line from China by one of our correspondents there, Tom Mitchell. And joining me here in the studio is James King, who's editor of China Confidential, an FT publication. James, you've had a chance to look at the document, the statement. Uh, What do you make of it?
0: I think it's pretty significant, actually. It does look like a real kind of breakthrough in various reform areas. These documents, these communiques that are issued at the end of plenums are always rather vague. So therefore, it's just an outline statement. But there are one or two areas, I think, of really great importance. The first is that the communique says that China needs to perfect a system in which the market is the main arbiter of price. And given that China still has plenty of prices that are state-controlled, the price of interest rate, for instance, electricity, land, rural property, water, and several other resources are all state controlled at the moment to an extent. That does seem to be a very major statement. If China really does free up those prices, it will have a big impact on the Chinese economy and also the world economy. The second one I think that's worth pointing out is rural reform. And the communique has in several places items such as China needs to give farmers more property rights and it needs to allow greater transfer of rural resources such as land between cities and villages. This, we think, and at China Confidential, we've done a month's research on this in rural areas really puts China at the brink of a new era of rural economic development, which will be defined largely by the monetization of land as an increasingly tradable resource and also the creation of a whole new rural real estate market.
1: So, Tom, is that your reading as well? Do you see this as a pretty dramatic statement?
2: I would agree that it's potentially a very important statement. The thing which is very difficult, about these to the point of being almost maddening, is the language is so opaque that it's almost like they're deliberately trying to hide the key points from you. There have been previous plenums where we've seen examples of this. In 1993, the plenum that defined sort of the 10 years of then-President Jiang Zemin and Premier Zhu Rongji's leadership introduced this concept of a socialist market economy. Well, what is that? But over the following decade, we saw the examples such as the introduction of stock markets in Shenzhen and Shanghai. China entered the WTO. It totally overhauled its state banking sector. So these very vague pronouncements can have very, very dramatic effects over time. And I would agree with James. I think we see signs of the same here.
1: And James, the emphasis on the market that you highlight and also on rural reform are are, are potentially far-reaching. But there are a couple of other things that people were looking for which don't seem to be explicitly treated. And one is the treatment of state-owned enterprises. Do you see any suggestion that there will be reform of that? And how vital is that to giving further energy to Chinese economic growth.
0: Yes, you're right. This is really the dog that didn't bark. A lot of analysts were expecting some movement on state-owned enterprise reform, particularly in the form of allowing private capital more room to play in sectors that are dominated by state-owned enterprises. But really, the communique contains absolutely nothing for people of that aspiration. I mean, what it does contain about state-owned enterprises is pretty much a word-for-word repetition of what's in the constitution. It says that China must unswervingly strengthen and develop the public sector of the economy, stick to the dominant role of public ownership, etc, etc. So really, this is a ringing endorsement for the continued strength of state-owned enterprises. The only thing I'd say to balance that is that, Many of these state-owned enterprises make such huge profits because the market in China is rigged in their favor, particularly through state-mandated prices. And as we've just seen, those prices over time are are set to be set by the market. So from that perspective, the state-owned enterprises might have a tougher time ahead. But in terms of changing the structure by administrative fiat, there doesn't seem to be anything in the communique.
1: And Tom, again, as you say, that the language is always very careful and hedged, but there do seem to be some things that have potentially far-reaching political implications, in particular references to greater rule of constitutional law, more independence of courts. Am I reading too much into that?
2: I would be a little bit careful of that, yes. You do see such pronouncements frequently in party rhetoric but very little follow through just example of the anti-corruption campaign that is ongoing now we see those type of campaigns over and over again. There is frequent official pronouncements about the need for rule of law, the eventual implementation of rule of law. It's a frequent theme, but there's no real matching developments along those lines. So James, on
1: these themes, the law, constitution and so on, is there anything of significance that you, you
0: think you can see in there or I think what's important with these plenary sessions is to sort of judge the mood music in the run up to the plenum as much as anything because There's a huge amount of debate within the system that goes into the plenums. And uh, really, in the run up to this plenum, we didn't see really much significant debate on those key political issues political reform, judiciary, constitution, etc. Therefore, I would say that what is contained in the plenum on those subjects is probably lip service of the sort that we see in virtually every type of Chinese official document these days. Since Xi Jinping has, has taken power, we have. Haven't seen much in the way of political reform. I think most of the energies of this administration has been uh, directed towards the economic sphere.
1: And yet, I guess, maybe it's just the Western in me speaking, but it's very hard to draw a firm dividing line between an economic reform and a political reform. And one of the things that people are looking at, for example, is the whole system of household registration and whether people will be freer to move to the cities, which I guess must have some sort of political implication. Is there anything on that? Absolutely. In
0: that area, there is. I would uh, classify that as an economic reform primarily, but you're absolutely right. It has a big political dimension. And uh, although the key word residence permit or hukou in Chinese is actually not mentioned in the communique, there is very clear language which suggests that the whole project of moving what probably will amount to about 130, 150 million sons and daughters of farmers into cities in the coming decade or so is very much on the agenda. In the Communicate says, quote, the majority of farmers should participate equally in the processes of modernization. And it says that the urban rural dual structure should be disbanded. In our view, that's clear code for farmers should be allowed to move into cities and benefit from the welfare, from the education and and the other benefits that uh, urban dwellers are entitled to.
1: Tom, obviously, people around the world who follow these issues are parsing the statement very carefully. But give us a sense. is, Is there much interest among the general public in China? Are people paying attention to all these pronouncements?
2: I must say that most of the conversations I've had with people around Beijing this week, the answer is, is absolutely not. The people you interact with, taxi drivers, you name it, know of very little interest. Although, obviously, there's a community of people who follow the news online and comment online, and there's been a lot of very cynical, cynical comments about it. I still think there's a very large gap between... These meetings and and what goes on on in the city here. This is a small party that governs a nation of 1.3 billion people, but it still operates as a revolutionary party that for the first 20 years of its life was on the run. And they hold a very secretive conclave on the western outskirts of Beijing, a military hotel with very little transparency. It's quite ironic when you consider the potential importance of of a meeting such as this.
1: And what about the profile of Xi Jinping himself? I mean, he appears to be a more colorful, slightly more swaggering figure than his predecessor, Hu Jintao. Is he, uh, I would stop well short of saying a cult of personality, but is he more of a personality and less of a collective leadership emerging in the Xi era?
2: Very much so, and I think that was maybe one of the things which was a little bit disappointing to some observers of the plenum. Over the past year, you've had the emergence of a leader who is so confident when he talks, and he talks like many accomplished Western politicians He's not reading from a script. It's almost as if he's having a conversation. You see this in clips of his meetings with students in Central Asia or even model cadres in the Great Hall of the People. It's a completely different style than we saw under Hu Jintao, who was very wooden in his tenure as a president, or Jiang Zemin, who kind of cast more of a clownish figure. But the one thing which was a bit disappointing here is that the atmospherics all around this particular plenum this weekend reverted back to the very staid political language of the party. You didn't see Xi Jinping come out of that highly controlled environment and explain what was really going on here. We didn't hear his voice on the national news broadcast, as you often do. So in the context of this plenum, he was very much back in that sort of party apparatchik mode. And that's not a real reflection of the style of leadership he's brought to Beijing over the past year.
1: Well, I mean, I can confirm um, that he does have this ability to speak off the cuff. I was fortunate enough to be part of a group that met him in Beijing last week. And it was it did feel like a different sort of Chinese leader more confident around foreigners, more confident just talking. And yet the thing that struck me particularly about that meeting was the way he was quite deliberately playing up the importance of this plenum. He even compared it to the famous plenum in 1978 when Deng Xiaoping launched the whole process that modernized China and created the China that we know today. So so James, to conclude, I mean. It's obviously very, very early days. But do you think that this could be a very significant turning point?
0: I personally think that this plenum could well be a very significant turning point. And uh, I think that the communique has enough in it, although, of course, it's vague, but it has enough in it to suggest that this government really does intend to produce very significant reforms to China's system. On the question Mm -hmm. of Xi Jinping, I also see him in many of his utterances as somebody who has a very keen eye on historical destiny. He's constantly quoting from Mao. He's constantly looking back into Chinese history. And it doesn't surprise me that 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 meeting that you attended with him, that he was referring to the great third plenum of Deng Xiaoping. This really, I think, is an important moment for him. The question is, can the government implement it and can his administration remain powerful enough to overcome all of the problems and the barriers that these reforms will certainly throw up.
1: James King here in London, thank you very much indeed, and thanks also to Tom Mitchell joining us on the line from Beijing. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward/podcasts.